Hey guys, and welcome back to the Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. My name is Sai, like a sigh of relief, and what the heck, I am an MS3 in medical school now at Baylor College of Medicine, and as always, none of the opinions that I state on here are indicative of Baylor College of Medicine, I have to say that, and I wanted to welcome you guys back to the podcast. I am excited to be here. I've had these awesome episodes pre-recorded for a little bit now and just gotten so, one, lazy, but too busy to edit them and upload them even though I know they're great and I know that all of the guests are really awesome that we have coming up. So I'm really excited to finally upload this podcast. So today I'm sitting down with Shannonology. She is a wonderful now second year DO student and we're both from Texas and she is just such a lovely person. So we did this episode on MD versus DO and she came with the facts. So I absolutely love her account on Instagram. She's very uplifting, motivating, gives great advice for pre-meds looks amazing in her scrubs and just takes really high quality photos so please go follow her but also stay tuned for this podcast she you know she came with the receipts she came with the facts um, and I'm so thankful to have had her on the podcast so we're gonna get into that we're gonna get into that awesome episode but a little bit of updates on me I just started my surgery clerkship yesterday and it's going to be really really busy but because of covid we are only going in to um we're only going into the hospital every other day so and this includes weekends so like one weekend i'll be working a friday and a sunday and then the next week i'll be working a saturday so totally doable totally doable and then so i have three weeks of general surgery and then i have uh one and a half week of sicu the surgery icu and then one and a half weeks of abdominal transplant surgery, which I am so excited for. I think surgery honestly could be an option for me. I really love the personalities of everybody that I met yesterday. They're very go, go, go to the point. They love to be hands-on, obviously because they're surgeons and they're just very, very smart people. You can just tell. And I really like the environment of surgery. I like that you can basically go in and you can fix something. You feel um, it's very rewarding and you feel like you've you've done something, you've changed someone's life um, and you get to be at the forefront of that. And surgery, obviously, I think is a rush for anybody. And I mean, some people are extremely grossed out by it, but surgery is definitely a rush um, to be in the OR and to literally be working on somebody. So I'm very excited for what this clerkship has in store for me, um, but I will be a little bit busier than I was during the quarantine times and during some of my less intensive um, rotations. But I'm so happy to be very active on my Instagram at Cybear and very active kind of on the podcast Instagram at Brown Girl White Coat Pod. So currently I am running a giveaway on my personal page and I'm posting a lot more content about medical school, about I feel like I've kind of found my niche finally on Instagram and I think that's um, talking a lot about social issues and things that maybe not a lot of people are talking about. I recently made a post about, um, it was called like, what did you do during COVID? And I stated how this might be a integral part of the interviewing process, a staple interview question. People are going to ask you, you know, what were you doing during COVID? And I talked a little bit about how your answer should consist of two different things, um, a way to showcase your leadership and a way to showcase that you've done some self-reflection. So if you guys would like to know a little bit more information about what all that was, uh, what I 
was meaning to say or what what else went into that post definitely check out my instagram and last thing you guys probably listen to us on either apple podcasts or spotify and i would absolutely love it if you listen to apple Podcasts, which is most of the listeners i would love if you go and rate and review us on apple Podcasts. so if you have a review a constructive criticism that is the best place to do it i would absolutely love to hear it and rate us you know two three, four, five, hopefully stars on Apple podcasts. That really helps me out. So thank you guys so much for just being on this journey with me as I find my little niche. And as I make this podcast and the Instagram, a permanent part of my life and just kind of working in making content whenever I can. And thank you so much. We have grown in listeners over the last couple of weeks. And I think that's largely due to me being more consistent than I was um, last year with the podcast. But thank you guys so much. Just wanted to give that little update on my life and what's going on. And let's get into this podcast with Shannon. She is just such an incredible person. And I love that she came with the facts and she came with the receipts. And we had a really good chill conversation about DO versus MD, talking about the major differences, the major similarities, and what that means for your future when you're applying to residencies and beyond. What it means when you are a physician with a DO degree versus a physician with an MD degree. Does it really make a difference? We will find out. Let's get into the episode. Hey guys, today I'm sitting down with Shannon, a now second year DO student and owner of the Instagram blog, Shannonology. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm like super excited to talk with you today. Yay, me too. Um, So how are you? How's everything going? I'm good. Uh, I'm currently on summer break and um, I've just been doing summer research. I have some summer goals um, that I wanted to accomplish, which was read more. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Recovering from the The mess that was first year. year. (laughs) Yes. Um, Doing some light studying for step, but not so much that it would stress me out. Um, I wish I could have traveled, but, um, you know, considering the situation we're in, I think it's best to just stay at home and relax. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Texas cases are on the rise right now. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to just stay at home too. (laughs) Um, So how did first year go? Well, it was pretty crazy. I think Um, a lot of adjusting. I feel that's what gets people sometimes Um, just transitioning from undergrad to med school with all the material that you have to learn. I was lucky enough, you know, I was able to finish first year in the top quartile, um, something I'm super proud of. I sacrificed a lot, but I was able to meet a lot of great people in med school. I think one of the greatest thing is um, getting to see other motivated um, people all helping each other to become physicians. And that's something that I really value. It's not something that you get in undergrad. I also enjoyed all the different organizations that um, med school has. And if there isn't one, you are so, um, the administration gives you so much privilege to be a leader in your community. So I was able to do um, a lot of uh, legislation advocacy for um, medical students and, you know, educating myself on advocacy for when I become a physician. 
That's amazing. That's awesome. Especially getting involved with that first year. I think that's a great, like setting yourself up for success for the rest of med school. So that's amazing. And congratulations on being the top quartile. That is like <laughs> an excellent achievement. So yeah, I, my best advice for a first year is like not really worry about step, just kind of like focus on your grades um, because that's really going to set you up for success. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we have a few segments before we get into the meat of this podcast. So the first one we do is called setting the record straight. And these are just a few statements that I'll give you. And you can say if they're true or false in your opinion and give us a little bit of an explanation. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So the first one is I am reaffirmed in my decision to go into medicine every day. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Explain. Yes, on most days, especially, you know, when I get to talk to patients, when I get to do clinical skills. No, on those nights um, before the exam, <laughs> and I basically drank like three cups of coffee already, and I'm just trying to study so that I can. Um, take the exam yeah so it's definitely a battle almost I would say every day between yes or no but most of the time it's a yes <laughs> I feel that no even within the same hour you can be you can be a yes or no yes <laughs> so, very totally feel that okay the second one is I have felt burnout during the process of applying to medical school yes I definitely think um towards the end, obviously with all the secondaries that come in and all the interviews that you have to do, those last few ones are kind of like the last stretch. Um, And that's with everything, you know, that you do at the beginning, you're super excited. You do your best on your, you know, first or second interview. And then after that, it just kind of goes through the motion. Um, So it is pretty tiring, uh, especially if you're applying to multiple schools. So, um, yeah, I would say that you can get burnt out. Yeah, I totally feel that, especially because even while writing essays, they ask, you know, the same question, just formatted a bit differently. And you have to, like, go through the process of, you know, saying something specific for every school. And it's, it's a very lengthy process. So totally understand. Okay, the last one is DO school is a better fit for me than an MD school. Based on um, what I want to do and having friends at other medical school, I do feel that um, DO school is something that is very beneficial for me um, in terms of uh, their curriculum that they're teaching. And so, um, yeah, I think that for me personally, I feel DO is a good fit for me. Okay, awesome. That's good to hear because I think a lot of... um you know, pre-med students are currently considering both um, degrees and they want to know like the pros and cons. They want to know how like reaffirmed you are in those decisions to go into DO as well. So we're going to get into all of that and talk more about that as well. Awesome. Okay. So another segment I do is just mentioning a favorite. So this can be anything from a favorite pair of leggings to just a habit that you've been doing more or a book that you've been reading. Um, Would you like to go ahead and mention one of your favorites? Um, I think one of my favorite books that I'm rereading, and I think that everyone should read, is um, a book called How to Make Friends and Influence People. It's a very good read. Uh, It just teaches you, you know, about 
psychologically how humans think and how to have interactions that are beneficial to you and the person so that, you know, ultimately you end up having the decision in your favor. (laughs) It's by Dale Carnegie. It's a classic. So I think um, if you're going to medicine, it's a good read just so that you can work on, you know, being personable and um, having that good communication with your patients. Yeah, I think it's totally like understated or underrated at least to have, you know, good patient rapport, to have good rapport with your attendings and residents as well. And I'm learning that on rotations now, how important (laughs) it is to just, it makes such a difference if you just walk into a room and you know how to introduce yourself and, you know, say your name, show people your badge as you're saying your name so that they can like connect. Um, That's a good tip. (laughs) Yeah, I have to do that because I have a hard to say name. So, Um, but just like, that like rapport and just some interactions with people. I'm sure, I'm sure the book goes more into detail about things like that mm-hmm. as well. And it's like something that you don't learn, you know, as a student just studying. So um, that's something really helpful for, uh, ha- for life. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll go ahead and mention one of my favorites. Um, so I just recently discovered Coursera, which is like a website yeah, where you can take um, pretty much any course ever. Um, they even offer things like master's in public health from University of Michigan, I believe, is the one that participates on Coursera. Um, but in addition to that, there's a ton of free courses. So I just recently um, enrolled in the COVID-19 contact tracing course. So And it gives you a certificate as well, so you can prove that you're qualified and you've taken graded exams and everything. So that's what I'm doing during my break, (laughs) is learning how to contact test uh, Trace. So Yeah, they have so many courses. Um, I'm trying to sign up for the one for Spanish, but they also Mm -hmm. have a bunch in sociology, um, you know, some business ones, engineering. So anything that you would want to, you know, maybe help uh, your resume, I think, that would be a great addition uh, instead of saying, you know, you weren't really doing anything during this time period. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely recommend that for anybody listening. Especially if you're just going to read and learn on your own anyways, it's really nice to do it through like a already set up course and you can mm-hmm. state on your resume that this was a course and you took graded exams and you're somehow qualified. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's get into the meat of this podcast. We're going to discuss everything DO related, and I'm bringing you on as the somewhat expert in this. <laughs> um, so, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of brought you to medicine as a career, and then ultimately uh, your choice of DO school? Yeah. So, uh, my name is Shannon, and I am a second year osteopathic medical student in Texas. I'm Vietnamese. So I moved over to America when I was eight years old. So English was not my first language. (laughs) I didn't have the best childhood um, due to financial and familial problems. But here I am, you know, finishing my first year of medical school. Um, And it's crazy for me to see how far I've come. I'm currently involved in summer research right now and just reading and recovering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hobbies are weightlifting, cooking, photography, and my almost full-time job, social media. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I started with just my Instagram and 
which have now turned into, you know, having a YouTube, a TikTok and a blog. So I'm basically, <laughs> oh my gosh, plug your YouTube for us. <laughs> like what can we find on your YouTube if we go and try to watch your videos? So I really want to start YouTube to just share more of my life. So you'll see a lot of vlogging, solely vlogging actually, because I feel I'm not going to have time to do more than that. Totally. Um, And yeah, even though it's a lot of work, I love every second of it. I love, you know, mentoring um, on social media. And um, I guess I can talk about a little bit my journey into medical school. For sure. Yeah. So when I was little, since, you know, I was living in a single income household and it was just me and my brother and my mom. And so she always stressed the importance of education. She always said that, you know, that's the only way to get out, like to have a better life for yourself. And so from a very young age, I learned the value of doing well in school. And I just kind of focused on that all the way up until high school. I didn't even think about medicine until I was applying to college. That was when I realized, oh, I like science. So maybe I should do something in the medical field. I still haven't picked that I want to be a physician yet. Um, So I just applied to be a biology major at my university. I applied to many schools. Um, I got accepted at the ones that I applied to, but I ultimately chose to go to a university closer to home that gave me full scholarship and stipend. And I think you guys should take that into account when you are applying to college. Just that um, it doesn't really matter the brand, the name that you go to at the end of the day, like, you don't, if they're paying you to go to their school, then I think that's yeah. a choice you should consider. Um, because you're going to have a lot of loans in medical school anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to do biology at that college. I didn't think that I was smart enough to be a physician. Okay. Um, My brother was four years older than me and I knew he was way smarter than me and he was going to be a physician. So I was like, there was no way I was going to be a physician too. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I decided sophomore year that I wanted to try. My grades were were okay. And I was volunteering at the hospital. So through that first interaction with the doctor's, at the hospital was when I was like, I think I might want to be a physician. Obviously throughout undergrad, up to the day that I got accepted into medical school, I always doubted myself. (laughs) There was no way that I was going to get in, you know, and that goes through everybody's head as well. Um, But the point is that I didn't stop trying. I kept going. And so I feel you should keep going even after you have these thoughts because what if you do get that acceptance one day? And so um, I got accepted and I went straight into medical school. I'm a very traditional bland path. I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my little um, med journey. That's amazing. No, that's super beautiful. I totally relate to the whole immigrant experience and your parents like drilling education into your mind. And then you you carry those thoughts with you into medical school and it, it, it makes you a self-starter. It makes you want to work harder and, you know, just thank your parents for everything that they've done by, you know, doing well in school, I think. 
So I love that story. Um, what does your brother do actually? So is he a, a resident now or is he a? Yeah, he's a resident. He's, okay. he's doing residency out of state okay. um, as a PMNR, which is a physical okay. um, rehabilitation doctor. Um, okay. Yeah. So he, if you have an accident or anything, then he kind of helps you get your PT and all of that. That's awesome. Have you given any thought into what specialty you might be interested in? I'm interested in internal med right now. Um, I don't see myself committing to one specific specialty, um, like super specialized into one area. Sure. I just feel I'm a very open, indecisive person. And so if I have to spend the rest of my life only on one topic, I think... (laughs) I might go insane. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm very open to anything that is comprehensive. So internal med, family med, maybe even emergency. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, So let's talk about your journey into DO school. Did you always know that that was a path that you might want to go on? Or did you just kind of consider MDs and DO schools or any other healthcare paths? I considered... MD and DO schools. Um, I only applied in Texas uh, because I wanted to stay in state. So I applied to all the, I think at the time I was applying, I think it was like nine or 10 medical schools in Texas. And so, um, yeah, I gave them both weight because they're both medical schools that will let me become a physician at the end of the day. Totally. Yeah. Um, so what are some assumptions that people make about DO school and what can we say about them? Like if we can disprove any assumptions people make right now on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So I think there are three most common myths or misconceptions. And I guess if you have more, um, that you've heard, then you can add on to it. But number one is DOs do not get into super competitive specialties. Number Definitely two, heard that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> DO schools don't require high grades or MCAT scores. And then DO schools are not as good as MD schools. Mm. These are, yeah, I'm going to be real with you. This is what I heard too. Yeah. <laughs> when I was yeah. And so, yeah, let's, we can pick them apart. Especially our application year or like, I guess, you know, around our application year, I think there were a lot of misconceptions, but I think the mm-hmm. field has come really far over the last couple of years. And um, I would say that residency programs look very favorably upon DO students now. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely coming around. But yeah, let's disprove some myths. (laughs) So the first one is DOs do not get into super competitive specialties. And I think this may be the wrongest one of all. (laughs) Um, Just because I was curious about this too. A lot of people told me this. And what I did for myself, which I really highly recommend you guys do, is go onto the Match Data 2020 or the uh, whichever one, and then look at actually how many DOs applied to that specialty and then how many DOs got in. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that DOs don't get into super competitive specialties because they couldn't get in. But the reality is most people go to DO schools to do primary care. And yeah. so the datas are skewed. For example, I searched some up so that you guys can see. 
for dermatology, only 28 DL students applied that cycle and six got in compared to 195 MDs that applied and only 23 got in. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that statistics, DOs have a more favorable statistic out of the pool that applied. And same thing with surgery. So for surgery, only 340 DOs applied and 200 got in. Yeah, that's amazing. And then for MDs, 1,400 applied, only 1,000 got in. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would really suggest that you see the overall percentage of DOs that apply and got in instead of just, oh, only six DOs got in. Well, how many of those applied? And so I think that's one of the biggest misnomer of going to DO schools is that you guys have to check your facts (laughs) for that. And I don't think um, saying that DOs don't get into competitive specialties it's not true because DOs just choose not to apply to those specialties. Like that's not where our heart lies. We care more about primary care. We want to serve people more directly, use our OMM skills in that way versus um, doing it on super specialized fields. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, um, so medical school headquarters actually had a great article about this as well. And they mentioned how uh, surgical specialties only had um, the percentage of students that were DO were only 2.2%. But this is largely due to the fact that DOs before even going into medical school know that they want to do primary care, which is not usually the case, I would say for MD schools, people, I would say a large proportion of my friends came in completely undecided, totally didn't know what form of medicine they wanted to practice. So Mm -hmm. definitely agree with you there. Yeah. So the next one is DO schools don't require high grades or MCAT scores. Mm -hmm. And this is true uh, to an extent where DOs do accept more students with um, a lower GPA and a lower um, MCAT scores. And um, I I don't see this as a bad thing (laughs) at Mm -hmm. all. Uh, It's giving people second chances or proving that, you know, grades don't matter that much. I don't see how this would make you disfavor that. Mm-hmm. Like, would you just want to go to the school because, oh, everyone in here has high grades? Uh, that's, to me, I don't understand because high grades don't make you a great physician. Definitely. Um, and for anybody who's always complained about, you know, stats and how our system is run on standardized testing should agree that, you know, scores are not the only thing that matters. And So I see that as an advantage for if you want to pursue medicine, but feel like you can't because of your grades, I think this is a great option. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, DO programs are a little bit newer than MD programs. And so they need to open up the pool just a little bit more to even have, you know, a high percentage of attendance. So Mm -hmm. I think it's honestly just out of just wanting to get more applicants as well, I think, on their end. So Yeah, so that goes into my next point is DO schools are not as good at, as MD schools. And I think it's due to the fact that there are so new. There's many that are popping up, some that might even have a higher, um, have a bigger class size than normal, but they just don't have the stats for it. Like 
in terms of step scores and match rate because they're so new. And so to say that DO schools are not as good as MDs, you have to look at their history. I go to a DO school that has been well established um, mm -hmm. for longer than a decade now. And our scores and our match rate is just as exceptional as an MD school. And so I think maybe you should be wary if you're going to be a a starter class. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but inaugural inaugural class for sure. that medical school um, that takes risks. And so if you can find DO schools that are well established with high scores, I don't see what the difference would be um, in your education compared to an MD school. Totally, and that that even goes beyond. Um you know, when you're in residency and you're looking at fellowship applications, you definitely want to see not just the prestigiousness of a program, but how are their fellowship matching rates? Because if that's your ultimate goal, you want to, you know, take that step beyond and see how their match rates are. So exactly. Definitely. Oh my gosh. Thank you for, for dispelling all those myths. I really <laughs> enjoyed that whole little segment. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm very, um, for, defending my profession. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so in your opinion, what should pre-med students be doing right now to increase their chances of getting into DO school? Are there a few um, things, key things that you can highlight that people should be involved in? I think for DO schools, they definitely care. A, they care about grades, but they do really care about you as a person. Um, they look at a lot of your community outreach and volunteer. And there's also myths that you have to get a rec letter from a DO, but that's not the case, or shadow a DO. Um, in your application, you will be asked to describe or give your take on what a DO doctor is. So I would be prepared for that. Yeah, I, I assume, I, I don't want to assume actually, during your interviews, did you get many questions about, you know, why DO over MD? And then did you have to prepare for those kinds of questions to have a really good, like, well-thought-out answer for that? So for my medical school, I did MMIs. Okay. So I never got a chance to fully delve into um, the question, the one-on-one -on -one questions, but definitely on applications, they will ask. And okay. I would assume you should prepare um, your test, your, why you chose DO or if you have any experiences with osteopathic medicine. Got it. Got it. Okay. Are there any like majors in undergrad that people can pick that might lend themselves better to a DO degree? Or can you, you know, do any wide variety of majors and still be a great candidate? I think um, the consensus is you can do any majors as long as you excel in them. I do um, think, I think this is for both DOs and MD schools that, if you do a science degree, there is a slight advantage, just mm -hmm. a slight of just you being able to see that material again, right? Because for mm -hmm. the first year of medical school, you're going to be doing classes that if you have the opportunity to take as electives in undergrad, you'll see it again, like anatomy, biochem. And so if you were able to do any majors you want and have those classes as an elective, I think you should. But overall, I think any major is fine. Got it. Um, does the application process for DO school look any different than 
the traditional MD application. Um, do you guys use AMCAS as well or? Yeah, different? okay. it's AMCAS and for Texas specifically, TMS, DS. Okay. <laughs> and okay. so um, in terms of that, I think most of the questions are, again, the same except the DO question. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how like first year went and what a typical day would look like for you? Um, you know, from morning to how many hours you spent studying to if you have time to do free, free, you know, like free time, or if you have time to do stuff that you love and enjoy. Yeah. So I think, um, I'm going to be real. The one downside of DOs is that you would have to do all your med school curriculum plus extra training specifically over osteopathic manipulative medicine Mm -hmm. and um, I think it's also a real burden that you have to take complex and step but if we do talk about that later I think that might change due to the fact that step is now pass fail Mm -hmm. so uh, on a typical week I feel we have extra labs (laughs) and material that we have to learn just because we are DO students. Like for example, uh, let's do musculoskeletal block, right? So during that block, you learn all the muscles and all the diseases that come with muscle. And while we learn all the diseases, medications, and anatomy for that one block, we also have to learn about OMM treatments. So let's say someone comes in with a muscle dysfunction. We also have to check to see if it's something that we can fix um, using our hands. And then if we can diagnose it as that, then we also learn the techniques for treating them in lab. So usually in first year, you would have anatomy lab and probably a clinical skills course. But for us, we have clinical skills, anatomy lab, and OMM lab where we practice on each other. And so I feel our schedule is a little bit more packed um, than, you know, just in comparison because we have extra courses to take, sure. but it's doable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, they, they, they spaced it out that way. I think um, some DO schools have less of a summer break, you know, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's what you have to do if you want, you know, training and you want to become a good physician, you got to um, sacrifice yeah. <laughs> that time for it. Um, and then during second year, you know, when you take step, you also have to block out a time after you take step to take complex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so com- complex is required by all DO schools, but step is not. So step okay. is an option that most DO students choose to take because they want to get a better chance at getting, um, a better opportunity to get into all residencies. Sure. Sure. So how many would you say, or like how many people do you know on average that take both? Is it most people or is it less? hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Unless- I only know like one person who hasn't done that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think maybe if you are for sure going to go to like, I would say, you won't have to take it if you're for sure going to specialize in OMM. Some DOs doctors choose to specialize in OMM in which their clinic is just them doing muscle treatments on people. And so 
Can we talk more about OMM actually? Because I think a few people on the Instagram Q&A were a little bit curious about like what OMM is. Yeah. yeah, So um, obviously I'm only a first year, so I only know the basics of OMM. But let's say you are sitting weird. Okay. You have bad posture. Your spine is going to be misaligned. Or if if you're hunched up typing on your computer a lot, your shoulders and your arms will all be um, stuck in a position that it's not normal. And then over time, that can cause a lot of soreness, pain. And so I've talked to my other MD friends who have, you know, the same presentation. And most of the time, it's just either medicine or PT, medication PT, or you tell them to stop doing that, (laughs) whatever they're doing. (laughs) And so... Or if you were an osteopathic medical doctor, then you're able to do a technique depending on what muscle it is or um, what body part it is. You can fix it right there and then in the clinic as well. And so, like, let's say um, I'll do a spine since it's the easiest one to look at. Let's say that you sit a lot, like you sit and you turn to your side a lot we can actually palpate and feel that you've been doing that with your spine because Mm -hmm. it's stuck in that position. And so we basically adjust it for you. Um, But it's not the same thing as chiropractic because chiropractic, you only do the spine for um, osteopathic medicine. We can do all body parts Mm -hmm. as well as um, let's say uh, OMM is used a lot in people who are pregnant that have like pain or you can have like some sort of body issue, systemic issue that is causing pain. And so we can do uh, muscle manipulation or other, any of that sort to fix that problem for you. In addition to like, if you want pain medication or any of that other stuff. And so I think it's just a good extra tool in your tool belt as a doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just another experience that you can use on top of what you already know. And so I just think it's at great value, especially let's say you go do missionary work or um, do global health. And these people don't have access to medication all the time. You can teach them how to do these stuff, these um, treatments on themselves or on their family members. And it's a great sign of, it's a great way to help get them get relief without having to use medication. And yeah. So as um, with medication, you're just like numbing the problem Yeah. or OMM, you're actually fixing the problem. And if you do lots of treatments over time, your body will align back to its normal state. So um, that's what OMM is. That's awesome. That's, that is a great tool to have. I want to learn it now. <laughs> um, but so is this something that you as a clinical student would also be doing on your patients or is this something that you kind of have to wait until you're like a full-fledged doctor to do. Yeah. So it's really cool because OMM, once you learn it, you get to practice it right away. Okay. It's not like, it's one of the, th- the things that helped me feel that like I am a doctor at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Because, and then all your friends will love you when you go home for winter break <laughs> because <laughs> you can just tell them, Hey, like, Oh, you have a muscle soreness there. Like, let me fix that. You know, like, let me do this and that. And so um, everyone will love you for it. Yeah. But 
um, we do have ways that you can like train your skills. So we have uh, OMM clinic every month where you can come um, and get treated. So there'll be students that like practice it on you and um, mm-hmm. help, so that they're, they're practicing their skills and you're getting treatment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, yeah, most of the OMM you can do can be unsupervised because once you learn the technique and how the muscles work, it's really easy to um, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So and it doesn't seem like there's that many like downsides per se. Like it's not, you know, super dangerous if you do something wrong. Am I right oh, yeah. in thinking that? Yeah. Okay. There's no danger um, unless you're doing um, – HVLA, which, which is the cracking in like oh, chiropractic. Okay. That is also a course. That one, you have to be supervised for that. Okay. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> besides, yeah, it's scary too, you know, but um, everything else is kind of, you can do it on your own. Okay. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I like that a lot. Um, so what does life look like as far as you know, for a functioning DO? Is it much different from a, an MD or is there... Is there anything, you mentioned the OMM clinic um, Mm -hmm. aspect of a functioning DO, um, but are there any other differences that we should keep note of? I think um, the only difference is in what specialty you choose to do, because at the end of the day, that might be an extra tool belt, but some people just learn it and then don't use it. Just Mm -hmm. kind of like if you specialize in, I don't know, GI, you're never going to use the rest of everything you learn in medical school. Yeah. So um, OMM is also the same thing. It's a course. If you do pursue it, then obviously you'll use it every day. If you do family men, you'll probably use it all the time. Um, So depending on what field you are in, you use it more often than others. But besides that, it's, again, completely the same. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, can you walk us through like your, your morning routine or like your study routine? And if you have any tips regarding that, that might be helpful to people. Yeah. So I like, I'm an early morning studier. Mm -hmm. I don't like studying late at night. So my day usually starts from either seven or 8am until midnight. I like to study at home. I hate going to class. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, personal preference, obviously, if you go to med school, try the first month or first block. If you wish to go to class, that's what I did. Then I realized I can do just the same at home. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I wake up, you know, get ready. I usually either drink coffee or tea. And then I just set it up on my desktop um, study area. I think it's very important to have an area where, you know, you feel calm and like, at peace, ready to study. Um, so having a nice desk area with, you know, your electronics and other necessities that will help you, especially people that are studying. Um, I feel like you need to start young. If you're pre-med all the way up until you're in um, residency, get chairs, get armrests, get keyboard, anything that will help you, you know, not get arthritis or maybe bad (laughs) posture later on in life. So because it's very important, you're sitting at a computer screen for like 15 hours a day. And so um, just make sure that you're, you know, taking care of your body. Um, I will usually study in the morning since I'm just waking up and I'm very sleepy. (laughs) I usually (laughs) review material. And then usually um, 
around 10 a.m. until lunchtime. That's when I'm like the most awake. So I would start on new material. After lunch, I will also start on new material. At the end of the day, towards like the afternoon area, I'm super sleepy at this point. Yeah, <laughs> Very tired. Yeah. So during this time, I will do some flashcards maybe. Um, and then I'll eat dinner and then I'll take a little break to myself um, and get back to studying maybe. Or if I have other commitments I would have to do, then I would do that at night. Okay. And so it's just day on a day. This is like if I have a full day to study by myself. Mm-hmm. If not, then, you know, I also have class sometimes. If I have class, then I would eat breakfast and go to class. Got it. So for your school, you don't have to go to class. You can basically just stream everything at home. Yeah. But okay. I don't know if it's like that with your, but sometimes we have mandatory classes. So we have to go to those. Or if we have labs, then I would wake up and go to and we have labs, then I would study at the library and then just mm-hmm. go straight to lab because parking is crazy if oh, you yeah. try to come during the middle of the day. So just stuff like that. Um, obviously, the biggest adjustment is having to have a different day every day. Um, yeah. That's kind of, it's not as orderly as it was in undergrad or high school, but yeah. still get used to it. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like that. I'm also a early morning riser and mm-hmm. study in the morning kind of thing and then just take like evenings off. So absolutely. Yeah, my, my mind does not function that late at night. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, so I thought we would go ahead and address a few of the questions that I got on the podcast Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we addressed it a little bit before, but someone asks, what are your thoughts on moving USMLE to pass fail and how that's going to affect the complex? So what have you heard about that and what are like DO students saying now? So at first when we heard it, we were like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I feel like, you know, I felt like DOs and MDs have came such a long way from the stigma that they used to be and the fact that they did this kind of kind of like tore that relationship apart a little bit. I felt that MB schools basically distanced Caribbean schools, DL schools, and international students, basically, because those were the ways that the schools that were seen as a stigma were able to prove otherwise, right? They were able to show, hey, just because I went to a Caribbean medical school, I still made this step score. Like, I deserve to go to whatever specialty. And so... It was kind of the same thing for DOs. Like many people started applying more to DO schools because they're like, oh, there is this stigma. But if I just do well in school step, it doesn't matter. Like I'm still going to get to do whatever specialty I want. Right. But the fact that they did that kind of really hinders um, that process. And so obviously I'm not in that, that I am in the newer side. So I'm still going to um, get my score, but everyone after me is not. And so um, at first I was really upset about that. Then I realized that even though um, the step scores won't, there there won't be a step score, there's still going to be steps too. And so I think they're going to put a lot more emphasis on the scores for step two. Yeah. Which means um, you still have a chance. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So there have been definitely some mixed opinions on the MD side (laughs) as well. Um, especially considering the fact that my class is not going to have a step B pass fail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so 
you know, everyone's pretty much freaking out about step two now, uh, like you said. So, yeah. And I, so I thought it was a negative for DOs, but there's also a positive, which is if step doesn't count that much, then technically DO students only have to take Comlex. Right, exactly. So we wouldn't have to be pressured to take step one anymore, which is less studying for us, think, thankfully, and less cost because each test is $600. Yeah, <laughs> and oh so, my gosh. Yeah, so they're, I mean, if they want us to focus on step two, which I understand because step two is more clinical based. It's exactly. actually what you're practicing. I don't think anything from step one is going to make it into practicing medicine. Sure. <laughs> it's yeah. just all like Enzymes. details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think it can be beneficial, but like I said, it's so young to tell in like I there the new class is gonna be guinea pigs basically. Um I I'm trying to be as unbiased possible because I don't know what the results are. They obviously they probably thought about that before they changed it. So yeah, you would hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so because because like also if they're doing that, yeah, it's just messy. Hopefully they have a plan because they literally just sprung that on us in the middle of January and was like, okay, no updates, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. And then also, I think they have suspended step two um, CS which is like the um, clinical skills part of it where it's like all practical. You go into patient rooms for like half a day, Mm -hmm. I believe. um, And you do like your patient note and everything and you're like graded on all of that. So I think they've suspended that for a year and a half due to COVID. Um, So we're like also waiting Mm -hmm. on changes back from that. Um, But also that's like a super money grabber kind of move. Usually the CS is like a thousand dollars, I want to say. And You basically just pay to see fake patients. So, <laughs> so yeah. there's so many changes going on right now. And I, I feel like only time will tell how people are really going to feel about it. And mm-hmm. hopefully if students feel a type of way about it, they'll have the resources to bring that up with ACGME and USMLE and all the necessary organizations. Yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully it's too soon to tell now. Um I would still apply to both MDs and DO schools. I don't think it should hinder your, you know, taking a gap year. Um, I think if you want to be a doctor, you, a physician, then just go ahead and apply. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then another person also asked about combining the residency match for uh, DO and MD. Have you heard anything about that or do you have any opinions on that? Yeah. So, um, Obviously, I am only a second year, and so yeah. this is opinions from upperclassmen. Sure. But DOs actually didn't like the idea of combining residencies okay. because now you're letting DO-specific spots be able to have MDs as well. You know, so yeah. back then there was like a reserve set amount of spots for DOs, but now it's fair game for everybody. And then some, um, but that's just a prediction, right? Yeah. I would think that um, any residency that have continuously picked DOs or MDs, they're still going to keep doing that. 
That's, yeah. that's the thing. That's Maybe true. they'll add in a little bit more. Um, I think that it's beneficial because like now you're open to more residencies, even mm-hmm. if they, I would still, you know, research up what residencies you do because there are some residencies that never pick DOs and they're never going to pick DOs. Yeah. So, um, that's something that you definitely don't have to worry about when you are applying for residency, there's a whole administration team at every medical school that helps you with the whole process. They tell you what matches. Um, your, they'll look at your complete resume and then they'll be like, okay, these are reaches for you. These are where yeah. you might get in. These are if you want to kind of thing. So there's a bunch of options and it's something that you got to trust that you'll worry about later. You know, yeah. don't worry about it right now. Worry about getting in <laughs> first. Yeah and just doing well. Yeah, definitely. All these type A personalities going into med (laughs) school and they're definitely going to worry about, you know, residency match like the first day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Really quick. uh, There was one more question asking, actually a few questions asking about Comlex versus USMLE. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are the major differences? I know a lot of people take Comlex right after step one, just like a few weeks. Um, So they must be pretty similar, I'm guessing. Um, Yeah, I think they're very similar and just Complex has that extra OMM portion. So basically all the same with extra OMM portion. Um, I've heard that on both sides, you know, that people say, oh yeah, Complex is like easy. You can just take it right after um, USMLE. Some people are like, no, it's like a completely different test. (laughs) Um, But I think it's just, I think the people that say that it's different may be referring to the wording. You know, mm. there's a specific style that USMLE does and there's a specific style that Comlex does. And so I think in the end, it's still going to be fine. Um, I would just take the USMLE and spend that um, next few weeks learning all the OMM material. Um, and obviously their review, you've done it before. And so yeah. I don't think it'll be a problem if you um, do, you, you decide to do that. And I'm not sure how it's going to be with pass fail, (laughs) but in the end, but back then it was kind of like, Oh, um, you can just take Comlex just to pass it. Right. And then you you would aim your scores on the, on the USMLE. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like that's also another, um, something that people need to form their own opinions on for sure. And just, yeah. just talk to a lot of DOs and talk to a lot of MDs and figure out what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to wrap up a little bit, um, how has COVID-19 affected your school or your, um, your like everyday life? I think it's definitely um, made it very hard <laughs> to like, focus first few weeks were good. I was like, this is great. I always study at home anyway. So this is no difference. And then the quiet and loneliness starts to creep up on you. Um, I felt like this was what life was going to be when I, when I take step, because I thought I was studying every day, all the days blurred. There was like, I just, it was just a mess. Um, I felt like it made me a lot more lazy because you know, when you're busy, you're better with your time. (laughs) Definitely. When when you have that much extra time on your hands, you start slacking. (laughs) So it was um, a little hard, you know, having to study through that. I know people assume that, oh, now you have all the time in the world to study. But, you know, it's different because 
um, that you have too much time and like you end up, you know, thinking about other things and, you know, all the news that's been going on. Absolutely. It's just crazy. Um, I, I would say that all the classes were canceled and we did online. Mm-hmm. Um, medical school is okay for that because all the material is already online. Um, yeah. You don't have to worry about an undergrad where it was all class time and there was like nothing available online for you. Med school, they already have all that. They have lectures recorded. So that was not a big problem. Um, a big problem was clinical skills, right? Mm-hmm. Like we still had to practice all of, the, all of our doctor skills that we weren't able to. Um, for my school specifically, they made us record us doing the skills um, with our family members or our oh roommates. My <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, I saw your Instagram thing with yeah. like a teddy bear. <laughs> it was so awkward. But <laughs> um, yeah, I know some schools just canceled it completely. But for us, um, we have to do that for OMM and our clinical skills. So we were doing um, physical examination and OMM on each other. Um, we are scheduling. Uh, so technically, we weren't supposed to get back to um second year until later in july but we have to come a week early so that we can practice our skills oh gosh doing precautionaries like um only a certain amount of people per room that Mm. basically the whole building is going to be um reserved for us to practice and so that's kind of a bummer but (laughs) i mean i feel like these are the skills that are are actually going to be useful um, once we yeah. get out and practice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I've been asking all my guests that question because everyone is just adjusting to this in their own different way. And I know a lot of pre-med students want to know how their education in the future is going to be affected by COVID because mm-hmm. um, we're just not going to go back to normal anytime soon. <laughs> like that's yeah. not going to happen, unfortunately. So um. But yeah, so just a quick uh, last question for you. What advice do you have for pre-med students that are currently interested in pursuing the DO degree? I think that you should definitely keep keep your options open. You know, um, MDs and DOs are basically the same. And one of the things that I hate the most about, um, you know, choosing DO is that I always have to prove myself, you know, like everywhere I go, I have to be like, I, I'm a DO, you know, it's the same thing, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's just like, I hate that it has to be like that because we're just not, um, as new as, and we're newer than MDs. Um, but either way, you're still going to be a physician. Like your name is not going to matter. Like some people actually prefer to go to DOs, you know, for depending on what, that medical condition is. And so I think at the end of the day, you're going to be a physician, you know? And when you're deciding to go to DO school, I would like just ignore all of the bad stuff you read on Reddit, Reddit or student doctor network. All those are <laughs> opinions. Okay. They're opinions. Um, so they're, you need to just decide, do I want to learn this extra skill set? is this a skill set that I think would be valuable, um, you know, for me in the future? And if you say yes, then I suggest you do DO. I like at the end of the day, if you ignore all of the 
you know, these are just opinions. So if you ignore all of that and you just decide, what do I want to learn how to do? And a good way is to go on YouTube and search up some OMM um, videos of people doing it. If it's something that you're interested in, I highly suggest you um, jump on that. I know that this was back a long time ago, but DOs did, are the one that started with the philosophy for holistic medicine. So this was something that now MDs are doing it too. But back then, that was what we were founded on. And so DOs that have been around for a long time, they really emphasize that, like a lot of like patient skills. And so if you really want to connect with your patient in whichever field you pursue, I would suggest you look into that as well. Um, so those are my takeaways, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's really, really great advice. And I think that pretty much sums up this podcast episode. It's like, you know, there's, there's a set of skills that's different and, and that's really what you need to look into to figure out if it's the right path for you. So yeah, most definitely. so much for your advice. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I just want to, you know, let you guys know like the realities of being a DO um, so that you guys have uh, all the options laid out for you. Um, and at the end of the day, it's your decision and what fits best for you. You know, there are millions of people that are both DOs and MDs all working together. It's not a bit, it's no big deal. It's on personal preference at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for being on my podcast. I think this was a really great and just overall helpful episode. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again for having me. Um, I hope you all follow this podcast because <laughs> it has a lot of valuable tips. And um, if you want to continue listening to medical student stories, I definitely uh, highly suggest you keep listening. Of course. Do you want to plug your Instagram and your YouTube page? Yeah. So um, if you guys ever need any pre-med advice, I give advice on whatever I can think of from pre-med to medical school. And obviously, as I go through my medical journey, I will give you more advice uh, as I go through it. And so my Instagram is Shannonology. It's S-H-A-N-O-N. O L O G Y. Yes. <laughs> and if you want to see what I'm up to with my day to day life, then check out Shanology on YouTube. If you want to see me making a fool of myself, you can go on TikTok. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I love your TikToks. I will leave all of your <laughs> socials in the show notes so that people can definitely go check them out as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, so if you guys have any questions, you guys can um, DM me on Instagram and thank you for listening. Well, that's the episode for this week. Thank you so much if you made it all the way towards the end. Remember the show notes have all of Shannon's information and thank you guys so much for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are. If you're ever going through anything, my DMs are always open for you. I respond to every single one. Message me at Cyber if you need absolutely anything. I would do anything for anyone who listens to this podcast. So love you guys and have a great, great week.